Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's Christmas Day! Christmas Day! Christmas time! Christmas time! Merrily on high and all such like. I can't believe we're doing a Christmas Day episode, Nick. I'm so glad. Christmas episode is special. It's like there's snow and Santa and there's a reindeer somewhere and those snowmen are still trying to get in the house. I'm not letting them... They would be told. Oh, wherever you are, guys, we hope you are having a fabulous Christmas day. We know it's a different year than any of us had planned, but you know what? Fuck it. It's Christmas. We're going to have a great day together with you. How are you, Nick? I'm right, and I have a feeling we'll be using that phrase quite a lot. Um, we? <laughs> <laughs> fuck it, it's Christmas. Fuck it, it's Christmas. Because <laughs> I'm going with, well... I haven't a drink yet, and fuck it, it's Christmas, so I think we should just crack on with a cocktail, personally. Oh my god, already? <laughs> already. But tis, tis not yet noon, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we've got a lot to get through today. We have a cocktail extravaganza lined up for you. It's going to be splendid. Yeah, we're going to be wasted at the end of it, I promise you that. <laughs> so hold on to your hats, everyone. It's going to get messy. Excellent. As it's <laughs> Christmas Day, we have got amazing stories coming up, but we can't, we can't, we can't possibly even approach starting to tell you these things without a cocktail cocktail in hand we have chosen this week as our secret ingredient the very spirit of christmas the very spirit of christmas and with that as your inspiration what have you come up with well we're starting off in a truly christmas style and we have the christmas cake martini (laughs) no way and I'm not even going to get so upset that it has got nothing to do with the fucking martini <laughs> whatsoever. One of those ones that says martini, just like, no, but I'm going to go with it. It's Christmas. Fuck it, it's Christmas. It's a Christmas miracle. Nick isn't angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't go that far. Um, <laughs> You're going to drink it until you drink it and then you'll be fine. A Christmas cake martini. Whoa. We, I've never had it. We'll f- see what it's like. It's not usually a June thing, though, is it? It, it that, is, that is true. That is true. If you want to celebrate Christmas at June, that is your want. We may well do that next year. <laughs> we may well we'll be stuck with that option, yes. <laughs> but it's 2020. God damn it. Let's get started. So without further ado, guys, we've got to get into the Poisonous Cabinet Kitchen and mix up our first cocktail of Christmas Day, the Christmas Cake Martini. So it's time for us to go shake up a storm. We'll see you in a minute. I'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. Oh, thank God we have a cocktail. Oh, it's thank Christmas God Day. For that. Oh my God. We're almost for sober for a minute there. But a Christmas. <laughs> 
Christmas cake cocktail to start off our Christmas yes. extravaganza. Oh, it is <laughs> nice to start the day in a martini, isn't it? It's the only way you should start a day. Well, quite. But it's, it's a very pretty colour. I like it. It's I like colour. It. Smells good. What can you smell? What can you smell? Oh, a symphony of Christmassy spices <laughs> in holly and the ivy and Rudolph's tears. Yes, it's exactly. What I smell all of that. Um, I smell. I think I smell almonds. Ooh, so good, maybe yeah, I, something citrusy. Something citrusy. Maybe a little lemon. Maybe a bit of orange in there. Christmas cake. So I'm thinking. You must have some spice or cinnamon, maybe. See what you think. Give it a go. So we're going to dive in and try the Christmas cake martini. All the recipes will be up later today. And we'll put them up nice and early so you can start drinking early as well. So, Merry Christmas, Happy Nick. Merry Christmas. Ooh, wah, that's strong. That's <laughs> a way to start the day. Ooh, that's I'm quite nice. slightly underwhelmed by that. I don't, I, I, it's, it's all right. I'm not getting Christmas cake, I have to say. No, I'm not getting Christmas cake. It's it's pleasant. It's fruity. It's quite strong. It is strong. It's got almost a sort of a harsh alcohol flavour, which people may be needing by now if they <laughs> spent some time on Zoom with their families and they, they can't take it anymore. And you know what? It'll set you up for the day. We'll talk us through it, Nick. Okay, well, we have whiskey. So we have a base of whiskey. Oh, oh, whoa, okay, whiskey. Ah. So it's not, not your <laughs> traditional ingredient in a martini, I'll okay. give you that. Um, <laughs> Nothing about this is a martini, is it? No, not in the slightest. It's okay. in a martini glass, and they thought, it's a cocktail. Put martini on the end. But we do have amaretto, so you've got your almond. Yay. You're absolutely right there. And we have lime, so that's where your citrus... Lime? ...kit is coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have cherry brandy. Ooh, cherry. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, okay. So, Christmassy. The cherry and the almonds, yeah. Bit of whiskey. Some people use whiskey to soak their cakes. I prefer rum, personally. Um <laughs> I use whiskey, but um, it's 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 nice. It's it's quite crisp and clean, which is what really what you want from something that's called a martini, and it's not too heavy. Yeah, it's a very festive name. It's a festive name cocktail. I'm not getting an over amount of festivity from it. No, but I'm starting to feel happier. You're about starting the world. to feel more festive though in yourself. <laughs> I'm starting to feel warm inside. Well, that's, that's, that's what it's there for. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, just like Christmas cake. I think people will like that one. It's not as complex as some of our other ones. Well, it's not a traditional martini. No, at not all. in the slightest. But sure. It's fine. Well, it's it's one of many. So let's crack on with the episode. <laughs> we need to get through this because there's, there's there's more coming. Oh, how are you, Nick? Uh, well, I mean, I've got a drink now, so that does make me a lot better, really. What is Christmas normally like in in your household? <laughs> it is a lot of time spent with usually with family. So my yeah, my parents and my brother and sister and nephews and things like that which is a lovely time so all gathered around um unfortunately not this year so it is quite different but i think that is the case for many many people around the world having a very different christmas than they would usually have so we will make the most of it and we will think it is but one year christmas is not cancelled forever indeed and that sounds like a nice christmas in your house it is it's a very it's a very lovely christmas yeah mine usually starts naked the entire day the postman comes around and starts screaming then i eat a boiled egg and uh, and then set the house on fire and warm myself by the coals, as was tradition in the old country. I'm sure that's exactly what happens. That's why I've moved so many times. Well, you know what we should do, actually, in the spirit of Christmas, because Christmas is a time for giving. It is. And some people out there have been very generous by giving us their love and devotion mm. as our new Patreon subscribers. I like, I like what you did there. I like what you did there. That was, that was a good segue <laughs> going on there. I thought, oh, she's done this before. <laughs> <laughs> and you're quite right. We do have some marvellous people this uh, this week to say. Um, firstly, to um, to Rosie Jackson, who is commended as our first annual subscriber. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I mean bloody hell, it means I've got to do this for another year, but I'm up for that, I think. <laughs> We're up for the challenge. Yes, we do now have annual subscriptions on the Patreon. Great as a gift idea. If you missed out on a last minute gift, get on there and buy it for someone you love or for one of your enemies, if you wish. But also thank you to our regular subscribers. To Kylie Kean And to Kirsty Philippic. You're all very, very sexy people. We love you so much, Patreon subscribers. But Nick, 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 our thanks and our lovely messages are not done yet. My, who who else could there be? Well, we have an extra special message this week. We have a birthday shout out. Happy birthday. Is it it the baby Jeebus? It's not the baby Jeebus. He has not called. (laughs) But it's his birthday. I mean, if Jesus used one wish to sort of say, can I have a shout out on the poisonous cabinet instead of ending COVID, we would all have words. I don't think I'd give him a shout out, quite frankly. But it's not a Christmas Day baby. This was a special present for the very, very lovely Danielle Pierce Butler, who turns 30 on the 29th of December. And we wanted to give her a very special birthday shout out. Danielle is a zookeeper. And that is a goddamn essential worker, in my opinion. <laughs> that is amazing. We don't have enough zookeepers on this show. Well, this is this is the, the first one, I think. Is it the first one? Yeah, I, I find that hard to believe. But she has been tending to the tiny tapirs and the lovely animals. I don't know what kind of zoo she works in. I'm imagining she's a lion tamer. Oh, what if she was a lion tamer in a sparkly outfit? Let's just imagine she was. I don't necessarily they go in the sparkly outfits in the zoos. No, I, I mean, I would be very upset if there were zoos like that that still existed. But I just want to picture her in a sparkly outfit, petting a lion. You picture away. Fine. Well, Danielle, happy birthday for the 29th of December. Merry birthday. Love you. Ah, so Nick, Nick, Nick. Yes. Saint Nick, if you will. Uh, That is me. This may seem like a kind of crazy question. They usually are. Are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? My God, yes. Or, because it's Christmas, we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. (laughs) Not today. I mean, we've gone to such effort. So I think it would be rude to not use all the lovely cocktails we have. Indeed. That sounded weird. That did sound weird. You did that. That sounded really weird. As I was saying, okay, blah, 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 blah. Like, what are you talking about? Maybe we will leave in the outtakes for the Christmas Day episode because we're going to be drunk, quite frankly. And I don't think I can cut out all of the episode. Nick, we should go with the first one. We shall t- drink cocktails all day and talk about poison. Uh, but you know what? Drinking poison on Christmas Day, maybe that's a theme we will explore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it, does it often happen? Well, what, drinking poison on Christmas Day? Yes. Is, this, is that something that is known about? Well, surprisingly, um, no. There's not as many Christmas Day poisoning cases out there than you would think. I was thinking, researching this episode, that there would be an abundance of loads of Christmas Day poisonings, accidental or intentional. I have to say, I in, in my head, there wouldn't be a lot, I must admit. <laughs> it's not the sort of thing I'm going, Christmas Day, oh yes, that, that's a ripe time for murder. But do you like your family or something? Well, there is, I mean, there is that, I suppose. <laughs> but, you know, you would think there's lots of different meats and meats. I don't know. There's different food. There out are there. lots there's of different, different meats. meats. <laughs> I don't know why meat came to my head. <laughs> there's different meats at Christmas. But there's many different foods and there's all sorts of tensions that mount over Christmas. And you'd think over the centuries there'd be a few more poisoning cases at Christmas. There's not a huge amount. There's a few modern ones, but they were some of the ones that were far too depressing to actually talk about. Because I was like, oh, Christmas Day poisoning. Oh, God, that's just sad. That's just awful. But yes, I have got in store for you today a few Yuletide tales, shall we say? Some themes around the Yuletide season and poisoning and a very famous poisoning case that is vaguely linked to the Yuletide time. Linked to Michaelmas, if you will. Vaguely, vaguely, vaguely. I link this in 
beautifully, Nick. You could you, be so impressed. It. So impressed. Anyone who is listening who just wants to get through the turkey fog, who is maybe feeling a bit lonely, wants to listen to their good friends, the Poisonous Cabinet on this day, or if you need to slip away from the Zoom quiz or your very gently racist uncle for the day, <laughs> I'm hoping that this will keep you happy. So, Nick, shall we get started on our Christmas Day theme? Absolutely. Do we sing? start by singing carols? Oh, go on then. Oh no, oh, no, I don't want to. I said, did, did we? Because if you were going to say, yes we do, then I was going to turn off. Well, as I said, Christmas Day poisonings are few and far between in terms of actual murders on the day, because we know that's what you're all here for. But uh, let's start with a little uh, urban legend, Ooh, maybe. Oh, I like maybe. that, yes. It could be an urban legend, could be true. Did you know that one Christmas the US government allegedly poisoned everybody? Everybody. That's an impressive feat, I must admit. Well, quite a lot of people in the New York area. So not quite everybody. It was everybody there. We've gone from everybody <laughs> to quite a lot of people in New York. Yes. Right, okay. Well, they could have poisoned everybody okay. if the legends around this story are to be believed. There is a popular story that does the rounds on social media every few years that people attest as absolutely true or people go, mm, this is a bit of hyperbole. But it is alleged that the US government was so determined to curb the illegal boozing that took place during Prohibition, Mm. that they themselves poisoned supplies of alcohol or any kind of alcohol derivative as a scare tactic to make people ill and to stop anyone from attempting to make their own alcohol. Oh, that's intriguing. What do you think about that? Well, I must must admit, Prohibition is an area that I have a great fondness for, Mm -hmm. mainly because... It is out of prohibition that we have so many of the most marvellous cocktails <laughs> that I do love. And we have lots of speakeasies. We've got guys speakeasies. in suits, girls in flapper dresses, dancing until early morning at hot jazz. Yep. So many of the cocktails came about to disguise the taste of the terrible, terrible gin and whiskey that they were using. So they needed to put all these random things in there mm. to make them palatable. And that's why we get a lot of our cocktails. And it just so happens I have one of those cocktails to hand. Are you ready for another cocktail? Another cocktail already? I've finished this one. You really fucking have. <laughs> I was pacing <Next>. myself. <laughs> well, you, you brought up Prohibition. Oh my goodness, we have gotten into the Prohibition era and already it's time for another cocktail. We are living like the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> yes, okay, so another cocktail is on the menu. Keep up, yes. guys. So what have you got in store for us, Nick? So this time we have got a, could possibly be considered festive, probably not actually, no, but a very dramatic sounding. We have the Fallen Angel. Oh my God, I love that. I know, so do I. It's a brilliant name. Fallen Angel. Oh, I'm suddenly really excited. <laughs> <laughs> As we're going to be going into the isolation kitchen a lot to shake up a storm, I think we should uh, use some different sound effects as we segue into the kitchen today. Some more oh, festive oh, oh, themes. Okay. Oh, can we have some jingle bells? Oh, some jingle bells. That would be quite good. One of them needs to be some jingle bells. Jingle bells. Shall we use a harp? You know, angels use a harp. <laughs> Ooh, ah, there we go. But a dramatic sort of like, a, is, this is a fallen angel, so we want some sort of an electric harp, I think. <laughs> In a sort of a dramatic sort of... Like a, like a nine-minute solo. That exists. Well, guys, it's time for our second cocktail of the day, the Fallen Angel. We must disappear yet again and shake up a storm in our isolation kitchen, so we will see you in a minute. See you in a minute. And we're back again. Hello again. So we are back with our Fallen Angel cocktails yep. to hear more about Prohibition-era poisoning. But first, oh, what a pretty cocktail. What a pretty cocktail. Pretty cocktail. This has kind of got a peachy hue. It does indeed have a peachy it hue to it. It's kind of dusky peach. 
You can imagine it in the boudoir of a starlet in the 30s. <laughs> I like that thought. Reclines back on her chaise longs and powders herself with a giant powder puff. <laughs> so a fallen angel. Mm-hmm. Very different aroma to the first one, to the Christmas cakiness. So I'm going to dive in and taste. Now, Whoa. I like that a lot. That is amazing. That is a good one. We found a star. Oh, my God. Tell me everything. <laughs> so, well, we're uh, gin-based, as one would expect, perhaps, from a Prohibition-era cocktail. Um, so, we ha- yeah, we have gin. We have lemon juice. Mm-hmm. We have Angostura bitters. Nice. We have sugar. And mm-hmm. we have mint, creme de menthe. Whoa, no way. Yep. I mean, the, the amount of mint is tiny, but it does come yeah. through. And it's got those really strong flavours in it to to detract from the horrible bathtub gin um, that, would, that would have been used at the time. And that's why it's got yes. such bitters and mint and stuff like that to, to get rid of that aftertaste of the nasty gin. Uh, but it makes a damn fine cocktail. I have to say, that is really smart. That is absolutely gorgeous. I would never have thought Creme de Monte was in mm. there. But now you said it, it does have a kind of a south side feel to it, but slightly more aromatic. Mm. I've kind of gone off cocktails with lots of heavy mint mainly because i started growing mint in my garden and i thought i shall put mint in everything and then i realized (laughs) i don't quite like it actually that much because it's quite a strong flavor that's delicious i mean this is one twelfth of an ounce how did you even measure that i mean thankfully the the jigger i've got has actually got a twelfth (laughs) measure on it a twelfth of an ounce like a pipette it's like three three drops it is such a small amount but it makes such a difference you can you can taste it you can like that's as much mint as you need yeah absolutely i've just discovered that's it one twelfth of an ounce of all of my cocktails will have mint in it (laughs) so yes you see i think that one is a good starter cocktail for christmas day Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think the Christmas cake martini. Forget about that one. It's all right. It's fine. It's probably one to make later on when you're not too discerning, to be honest. I I wouldn't really bother, but it's not bad. But that one, oh God, starting the day crisp, a little bit of mintiness, that will set you up nicely. You need something nice and refreshing for all of the carnage of food that's going to come. So tell me, Nick, tell me, tell me what you know of the Prohibition era. Well, I only, obviously, no alcohol allowed. Mm. Some crazy American thing. Never never would have caught on over here. <laughs> we would have literally burned England down. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, they found they found a way, though, in Prohibition eras to still drink, didn't they? Uh, you, you could get it on prescription. If you could prove to a doctor that you were, in fact, an alcoholic. I did not know this. What? Yes, no, indeed. If you were an alcoholic, you could get alcohol on prescription Mm -hmm. to keep you medicated in booze. People who managed to get hold of this would then sell it on um, at vast inflated prices. Or you go down the route of drinking meths and wood spirit and things like that yes. um, and other sorts of ethanol um, which is we encountered with Mike Malloy yeah the sort of thing that Mike Malloy would drink was uh, was not was not uncommon really and of course you had places like speakeasies that were open now these people had to be able to provide booze if some places were lucky they would have a line to a supplier who was able to go out on the water literally take a boat go to the caribbean or go to south america go somewhere outside international waters trade with someone else bring some alcohol back and a scan probably bribing the port officials to get the alcohol into somewhere like new york but if you weren't able to import alcohol you did have to resort to making your own 
people were taking desperate measures, as we said, to drink. And the booze barons of the time would get whatever they can to make their own liquors. So industrial alcohols, the stuff that Mike Beloy would totally drink neat, were bought. Maybe they were distilled further or maybe they were just mixed in with a delicious Fallen Angel style cocktail. Put some herbs in there, put some lemon, put some sauce in there. Yeah, it's fine. People would drink it. And, you know, as long as they were getting drunk, no one minded. But while plenty of people ended up in hospital from just drinking paint strippers straight, the government allegedly went one step further. They were so infuriated by the production of legal alcohol, they decided to cut it off at its source. So it was said on Christmas Eve, Nick, in 1926, a man rushed into the emergency room at Bellevue Hospital in New York, shouting that Santa Claus was behind him. Excellent. With a baseball bat. <laughs> nice. Yeah. He was going to bash his brains in. I have a feeling Screaming. no one followed. No one followed. There was no one, no one followed. Him, no. The man is suffering terrible hallucinations and very sadly the man dies a Ooh, short time later. Um, just another night in, uh, you know, Christmas Eve in the ER in mm-hmm. Bellevue. They're like, oh, okay, fair enough. But then a few more people started to come in with similar hallucinations. With or the same hallucinations? Santa was after them. Santa was after the everyone. <laughs> he was coming to town that evening. More than 60 people were admitted to that hospital with alcohol poisoning and eight of them died. Another 23 people would die in the city later on due to alcohol poisoning. And it's all thought to be traceable to a federal poisoning plan where the government decided that they would put additional poisons into the industrial strength alcohol that was already being produced. They would make it even more toxic so as to deter anyone from making alcohol or cocktails or anything out of this industrial strength alcohol which is needed for all sorts of industrial purposes but they added more poisons to them to stop people and then now, did them. they decide to did they decide to warn people about this say this is what we're going to do therefore if you drink this stuff then you're going to get horribly ill and maybe die or did they just go well no like the first hundred people who die well that's <laughs> what you get and then the rumors all start going around that's the point of contention that at the time it was said that, that they would say that there was no way that the government would ever consider doing anything like that. But everything that went on around prohibition is thought to be so shady. All these rumours emerged. But it has since been researched that the government did do this. They didn't necessarily warn anyone about it, but they just thought it would be a good sample of if you're going to drink this kind of alcohol, it will kill you. So don't even take the risk. People allege that the government inadvertently killed about 10,000 people by prohibition's end i think inadvertently it is in a massive (laughs) inverted commas there because they knew exactly what they put this stuff in there knowing Mm -hmm. that it would poison people and therefore they must have had some sort of well it's acceptable if we lose x number of people before the rumors start flying that this stuff is really well this is where all of these kind of rumor stories come up but yeah they wanted to deter anyone from taking industrial alcohol turning it into a delicious cocktail like we have before us so they added more poisons and they said, well, no, just, we're just going to make it doubly toxic. And possibly they, these there were warnings of it. They're not going to be able to get to everyone and certainly not to the certain people who were in the speakeasies and running a business. They're going to ignore such things. And yeah, there were several cases, I mean, particularly that one on Christmas Eve, where loads of people were ill and died. If they were that concerned, they I mean, they could have just added more mint to the cocktails and no one would have drunk them then. Just add <laughs> like another twelfth of mint... <laughs> 
<laughs> no one would have touched the things. Can you imagine there's some booze barons or something? You can't take this. It's it's full of full of rat poison and acid. Don't worry, I have a pipette of mint. One sixteenth is all it takes, my friend. Don't worry. And then we throw in some flowers and it'll be fine. Any more than that, and it truly is Indeed. poison. A jolly tale then for Christmas Eve. But the prohibition well, era, one of the many reasons why that shit did not work. But it did give us speakeasies and fabulous dancing. And cocktails. And cocktails. And so cocktails. And cheers to the fallen angel, which is delicious. Merry Christmas. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So that's one era we visited. For the next part of my story. Is there another? Oh, 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 there's more. I'm going to revisit a recent Patreon episode that we did. Uh, On that episode, I regaled our lovely Patreon subscribers with tales dispelling some of the myths about what can or can't kill you in your house at Christmas time. And I wish to continue this theme today. Now, when I talk about what's going to kill you in your house, it's not just your loved ones. It is the decorations that we bring in, all the accoutrements and the lovely things that we fill our house with at Christmas time that actually have a very deadly secret to them that can kill your children or your pets or maybe even your loved ones Uh, not that your children wouldn't be your loved ones i'm not sure where that came from (laughs) (laughs) children's pets maybe your loved ones. maybe your loved ones (laughs) they're just they're free they're they're a free for all they're just going to pick stuff off the tree but adults have the sense no not that at all but yes let's look at some of the most famous deadly things we bring into our homes right around the time our families come to visit nick imagine a festive garland if you will okay what are you picturing 
Uh, well, Christmas greenery, as I've just been instructed to. <laughs> well, what, um, what, okay, okay. In the Christmas, d- d- take it apart, peel the onion. There's no onions in there. Oh, I'm, I'm not the Christmas onion. So this this greenery does not have the Christmas the traditional Christmas onion. It does not have the Christmas onion. No. Well, then I'm perhaps thinking some holly, maybe. Oh, holly! Holly is a good one. So holly is a bit deadly. Yes, and spiky. It's and spiky. So little factoid about holly: Uh, the berries they're one of the most common sources of plant-based poisoning every single year. Quite possibly because holly, as we've seen on all the cards, and possibly on top of our Christmas cakes, possibly on top of our the heads at Christmas are beautiful green shiny leaves and glorious red berries. They do look and it lovely. is these red jewel-like berries which are particularly poisonous. Quite nasty, but children often pick them up and ingest them thinking they're little sweeties. Well, they would be so damn shiny. Yeah, they're too shiny. They're too yeah. sexy. Too sexy. They're flirty, flirty, flirty holly. Well, tempt our children there's not any cases that i've found of death occurring it would be very rare or really really if a child ate all of the berries on a holly bush then all the maybe. leaves the, well the leaves are just spiky yeah well exactly that's not going to do you any good it's not going to do you any good i don't think it's going to kill you it's wow. just going to make you go ow a lot and also also you're not going to ingest them because the first bite is going to be a hint of what's well, to come well if you are really determined <laughs> if you really did really if you want to kill yourself Eating a holly bush is a very obscure and difficult way to go. But damn it, it That's will be That's why no one would think about it. <laughs> no one would suspect. It's not a murder. Oh, it's it not, not a murder. Oh, okay, well, you're murdering yourself. <laughs> this is jolly for Christmas, isn't it? No, they are not deadly, but they can give you quite a nasty stomachache. They're thought to symbolise the crown of thorns that Jesus wore because the berries are meant to be drops of blood yeah and it's spiky like thorns and it's spiky like thorns exactly so a lot of our christmas traditions are either embedded in christianity or paganism before it and they both fight over which one came up with it first okay aside from holly in the christmas greenery what else might you be picturing potentially some sort of mistletoe that's quite festive as well i feel mistletoe you say Uh, yes i do well, I might have some facts about mistletoe. Our old friend mistletoe, famously thought to be incredibly poisonous, yet so beautiful and such a part of the Christmas traditions that we all celebrate. So mistletoe is indeed poisonous. Even though it's a very popular decoration at this time of year, the berries, the leaves, the stems, everything about mistletoe is poisonous. Yet we bring it into our house. We dangle it in front of people. We try and molest people with the excuse of, oh, no, it's the mistletoe. It'll let us get away with it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) It's a symbol of peace and friendship that has been around for centuries. While poisonous, it's not as lethal as we think it is. Again, like holly, it will make you pretty sick if you ingest it. Keep it away from your pets and kids, but it's not going to kill you. Mistletoe, though, is actually a parasite Oh, nice. Described by the gardener's world. Yes, yes, yes. We always enjoy a parasite. Indeed. It's grown in trees. So a lot of us will have seen clumps of mistletoe in oak trees and other trees. It leaches water from every source around it. It starves other plants. So while it seems very beautiful and a lovely festive tree, it's really quite horrible. And if you look at a mistletoe branch quite closely, the way its spindly branches kind of span out, I swear to God, it does look a little bit like a face hugger from Alien. <laughs> nice. Once you see it again, you look at a picture, you'll never be able to unsee it. <laughs> Those face huggers with the jaunty white balls on them. <laughs> I'll come on to the white balls in a minute. Oh, okay. This, that that cool. will particularly please you. No, it's not without its charms, though. Weirdly enough, mistletoe 
and this is a fact I looked up, is said to treat cancer. Oh, I've not heard that. In the UK and Europe, not in America, it's it's not approved, I think, in America, but for, but in Europe and the UK, apparently its toxicity fights cancer cells. If any doctors are listening to this and put that into better words or tell me that I'm mad, let me know. But yeah, that's an interesting fact. Mm. But what else is mistletoe known for? Uh, Well, the whole kissing thing. Yes, that one. Yes, kiss under the mistletoe is said to bring good luck. And it's very bad luck if a woman refuses to kiss you under the mistletoe. Well, I mean, absolutely. If a man refuses, it's each of their own. (laughs) But when your weird uncle leaves at you with a sprig after too many cans, it's not particularly lucky. That tradition began in servants' quarters, really, in the big houses in the late 1700s. It was very much a servants' thing. I think it was a bit of fun and games they had below stairs. It was based on a play or a musical of the time where it references mistletoe for some reason. Where it originated from, historians aren't really sure, but they can trace it to this little musical review where mistletoe was mentioned and then and all the servants started trying to kiss each other under the mistletoe. <laughs> or maybe that was the excuse they gave. Well, yeah, indeed. That's the shagging. excuse you need. <laughs> but then it came above stairs and then people started bringing it into the house. And it's meant to be a symbol of good luck. But then this this tradition of kissing under the mistletoe was born. And the Victorians, they love a bit of drama. They love a little bit of, well, just kissing. <laughs> they loved it. I don't know if there's any other examples anywhere else of plants granting you sexual favours. <laughs> When you, when you put it like that, I'm thinking probably not, no. Maybe if you hold up an aloe, you can grab a boob or something. <laughs> but the reason we have mistletoe is not just to entice strangers to your door to kiss them. <laughs> it's said to be very good luck, and it's also said to keep away witches and ghosts. Well, I mean, we need to keep away the witches. Well, the evil witches, the evil not, witches. The nice, not the, not nice the good witches. witches. <laughs> no, but the ones who like bake children into pies and things, they should probably be cut away. <laughs> it's a very magical plant. Its roots, like a lot of things around Yuletide, are more pagan than anything else so much so that mistletoe was banned from christian celebrations for a long time because of its pagan associations and it's only magical if it never touches the ground Uh. you have to pluck it from the oak tree and keep it aloft can't put it on the ground ever okay (laughs) it's also seen as a symbol of fertility you know those berries you mentioned Uh, i yes they're uh, said to look like semen Nice. And so that's why they were used in fertility rituals. Delightful. (laughs) Isn't that delightful? I don't want to know what they did with them. So, So yes, mistletoe. Isn't that a nice selection of stories about kissing and butchers and semen? I mean, it's the the top three, really, isn't it? When it comes to stories. (laughs) I mean, what more do you want stories to be about? (laughs) Exactly. On Christmas Day, every person who is listening to this for their child is just, no, little Timmy, don't. I'm sure there's some excellent books out there on Amazon you can get hold of. The cover. (laughs) Nick, what else would you use as Christmas decorations around the house then? Well, I mean, there's another thing that is quite festive, I feel is oh okay perhaps some citrus an orange i mean they've got the whole christingle thing going on with an orange oh really you know do you, do you never do that when you were a kid so where you had to go to sunday school as a, as a child and you had to make a christingle out of an orange a christ a christingle a christingle Chris, what, what is that so it's an orange it all represents something and you have a candle <laughs> in it you have an orange and you cut the orange up and you have a candle in it which is that, that that's like jesus what and then you have you have four things sticking it which is like all the the gospels and it's got a ribbon around it that represents something else um 
No, no, that never happened. How do you not know this? No, I'm a Catholic. I don't know, but well, I don't true. remember yeah, you, that. You're not allowed any fun at all. No, we're not allowed any fun. We just we just go and flagellate ourselves at the church and then go home and get drunk. Yeah, no. We're single. <laughs> orange. I have seen an orange wrapped in ribbon and studded with cloves, but I nah. thought that was more of a medieval yes, kind no, of reference this is... to the kings and queens. No, yeah, so this is different. This is orange... And it's got a, which I think it's like the world. Um, it's got a red, red <laughs> ribbon around it, which is like the blood of Christ or something. Um, <laughs> and then it's got, you then put four, my, we, we did it with Dolly mixtures. Do you remember the sweets? <laughs> On yes. cocktail sticks. And you have four of those in them, oh which are like the four, I think it's the, yeah, the four gospels. Um, and then a, a, the, or with a white candle in it. And you used to go around church singing carols going, oh. Oh. What holding it was the candle? Yeah, yeah, lit? Well, the, yeah. The candle's lit. Oh, you actually did something with it. You oh, didn't yeah, you yeah. just do that as an I just, just bake it and throw it at people. <laughs> <laughs> the holy hand grenade. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. I've never heard of that. So, well, in honour of the Christingle of Christ, not another one. We are going to have another cocktail. <laughs> it seems oh appropriate God. to do something orangey. Put that story in just to bring. <laughs> It works. Is anyone, did anyone else make these things? I think potentially a very English C of E thing, Church of England thing, maybe. But Google it, you'll see exactly what I mean. <laughs> this did take place in a church with other people. No, no, right? I, was, I was there. I was there by myself. <laughs> I just, I broke into the church by myself, you know. I filled it with oranges. <laughs> so with oranges? So we have, we're going to go classic now. We're going to go classic. Ooh. We're going to go strong. So be warned. I'm going to eat some bread. <laughs> it's fine. We're going to have a dry orange martini. Ooh. Now, this is a, a martini that deserves the name martini. Okay. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I make these quite a lot and they are delicious. Lovely. So that is cocktail number three. Cocktail number three coming at you guys. So we're going to go into the Poisonous Cabinet Kitchen and Shake of a Storm. So we'll see you in a minute. See you in a bit. And we're back again. Hello, hello. Okay, Nick, I've, I've had a turkey sandwich. Wise, wise, yes. <laughs> I decided a mince pie was in order. <laughs> There's been a lot of booze, so much booze. Exactly. And for all of you, you're probably listening to this across the day, pausing to, you know, make more turkey or just have a glass of wine with your friends. We've just, we've compressed all of this into a goddamn hour. And it's it's also the best and, and, and most confusing time of my life. <laughs> it, is, it is quite confusing. I'm not entirely sure what's going on. So please excuse me if you hear me munching as I go, because I need this <laughs> inadvertently turned into a drunk episode and god damn it with a drunk episode you need to eat snacks oh i bet there's pigs in blankets downstairs there'll be none, none of those left in my house if i you love a pig in blanket I, oh gorgeous is that your favorite part of christmas best, best part of christmas best part of christmas is a pig in blanket pigs and blankets see i gotcha. love the bread sauce oh no yeah you don't like bread sauce i love no. the bread sauce and i make it but once a year only at christmas but bread sauce don't know why don't know why oh it works man put bread. that put that in the christmas day leftover sandwich oh man a bit of no, it's like a bread, it's a, it is a bread sandwich yeah, but it's spiced it's like it's you you, you infuse the milk with an onion and yep. cloves and other things and then you bake a bread sauce out of it i mean it's just bread no, none of that <laughs> i like the bread sauce i like the stuffing as well i quite, I'm quite yes that's good partial to stuffing i'm sure you are <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> we've got to that point of the evening <laughs> no more martinis for you when nick is suitably drunk to is make this, really bad jokes is this going to descend into you just like opening a can and just shouting <laughs> innuendos at me <laughs> ah, <boobs. laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's really not. We wait for the day. We wait for the day. <laughs> so segueing in beautifully from my lovely mm. mistletoe story into your crazy, strange, religious, voodoo doll orange thing, you've devised another cocktail for us. It is the dry orange martini. We have it here. Dry, dry, now, this yeah. looks like a proper martini. This is a, exactly, this is a bona fide, splendid, proper martini. <laughs> a um, splendid one. A splendid, proper one. It's perfectly splendid. Perfectly splendid martini. <laughs> Do we taste first or are you going to talk us through it? So, well, I mean, it's it's a martini. So it's gin, it's dry vermouth, but we have the addition of a triple sec, a dash bit of triple sec, and some orange bitters to give oh. it a, an orange oomph behind it. I like the bitters. You're the first person who got me into bitters with gin-based mm. things, and they are a revelation. Yum, yum, yum. They make such a difference to things. They really do. Okay, so let's dive in with the classic, the dry orange martini. Oh, that's lovely. Good. It's crisp and clean. I'll get you fucked up. Because <laughs> um, it's strong as hell. It is um, strong as hell. This is not a downer. I am going to sip this oh, very God, moderately. No. You can down it. It's fine. It's my story this week. So <laughs> it's all on me. But it's silky. It's crisp at the same time. There's nothing like a really good martini. I agree. When would you have the, the martini on a Christmas day? <laughs> What's the optimum time? Because it is, well, it mean, is strong. I would say they're, they're, they're an afternoon-y sort of, well, late, a late afternoon type thing. Late afternoon, early evening. You've had, you, you've perhaps just about recovered from your, your big lunch. Yeah. And you're, you're then, you're in that process of going, oh, I could have some cheese. <laughs> <laughs> You're in that sort in of that frame voice. of mind, then you go in that voice. Um, <laughs> then you have, then you have the martini at that point. That's a very good idea because then your stomach's lined. Yeah, you don't want this on an empty stomach, and that sounds quite classy. I quite like that for a Christmas oh, day after after but your lunch. Obviously, your but your butler is going to bring them round for obviously. you on a nice silver tray. <laughs> As you recline in the smoking room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, go up says change into your lounging pajamas, your evening pajamas. <laughs> put on a kimono, fuck it. Put on a scarf, put on a head a headdress, like a what am I thinking of? Like a Father Father Christmas hat. <laughs> no, no. Yes, put that on. But like Tiara. Um, Is that you're thinking your afternoon tiara? No, like Gloria Swanson, what's it called? A turban, a turban. <laughs> like a silk turban. Put that on and a and a Santa hat on top of it, and then recline in your kimono with your orange martini while you eat celebrations and watch Doctor Who. <laughs> now so I'm thinking you could do that. I'm thinking some sort of velvet dressing gown and a fez. Oh, that's quite good. I'm thinking. No, I don't like a fez for you. No, a top hat. It's top hats all the way. That's a go that's a going out hat. That's a going out. <laughs> seen around town you, you want something casual and relaxed for your a fez for your for your drawing room so i think i think fez that is an image that will stay with us for the rest of the day <laughs> so with our dry orange martinis firmly in hand would you like to go and go on a journey to another story nick i would love to well after all of our talk of greenery that led me to a theme that i love around christmas it's all things tudor I, I, how did you get leaped there from greenery? Well, you leapt. To, oh yes, greenery. They had green things in Judah times. Oh yeah. <laughs> Shockingly enough, I will explain myself. <laughs> okay. I think you should. And I will. I will. I love the idea of a Tudor Christmas. I love documentaries about Tudor times at Christmas. There's some great books out there because Christmas in the Tudor era was an amazing cause for celebration that actually did bleed into all the eras that followed it. And a lot of the traditions that we follow now link back to this time. Christmas Day is the start 
of the 12 days of Christmas. 12 days of celebration, of eating, of drinking, of dancing, all sorts of celebration that in the Tudor times started bang on Christmas Day. Christmas Eve was not a day of celebration, but it was the day that everyone shut down from work and prepared for the 12 days of Christmas. For anyone who worked on the land, it was the time where you're not going to have to use the plough, you're not going to have to use the spinning wheel, you're going to get to have 12 days of fun and games, your only holiday of the year. And the greenery thing is people who use the spinning wheel they would bring greenery into the house so things like the holly and the ivy and mistletoe and they would wind it round the spinning wheel to stop anyone from trying to work on the 12 days of christmas oh, i like that so that's the garland idea so you, you dress all of the all of your working materials or whatever you use to till yes, the land tools, or to yes. tend the things all of your tools would be wrapped in greenery to show that this is your holiday time off mate i say i'm quite liking the the thought of perhaps i'm really bar humbug sort of old spinster lady actually just using the holly and weaving it into blankets and giving it to children and they're all spiky <laughs> and they're full of poison berries and things that's a damn good seamstress there's <laughs> like a bit of wool and then a string of holly and a bit of wool and it's all just woven into a blanket and they're like why have you done this it's the style of the time, the style of the time. It's what the we do kids in will love it. times, you know. And the start of the 12 days of Christmas, all of the things that we're doing today on Christmas Day, the drinking, the eating, the excess, and then the relaxing and the sleeping off of Boxing Day and everything. Boxing Day is a, is a more Victorian and kind of Georgian era thing later on. The, the 12 days of Christmas is the start of de- celebration. And the Tudor times when they did this, I love it because there's, there's incredible meals that were prepared. And you can see these in any of the documentaries you might watch about the Tudor times. You know, the full boars head and the was ale the wine the great 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 granddaddy of mulled wine where you've got ale or cider or wine brewed with spices and any bloody alcohol that was close to you (laughs) and brewed up and drunk and you have the lord of misrule who is usually a local nobleman who is going to lead a band of rebellious players to sing and dance in the streets and drink and be merry you have the mummers these crazy kind of horror sort of figures who come to your house don't say anything and have to come in and eat your food that sort of tradition at tudor times i love and because i love everything tudorish at christmas i thought it was a good opportunity to tell a very famous poisoning tale from tudor times nice i thought it was time for the tale of richard ruse who ended up in well some hot water Shall we say? <laughs> Anyone who knows this name will be going, oh, yeah, that's very yeah, good. That's, that's very, very good. good. That's very funny. Yeah. Anyone who does not recognize that name, strap yourself in. So, Nick, we're going to head back to 1531. My God. England. Yes. Because nowhere else was born then. Nope, it's the only country. <laughs> and this is the time of Henry VIII. Nice. He's on the throne. And Henry, uh, he's having a teeny tiny problem with the poop. Right about now. He's an awfully tricksy chap, that Pope. He is. The Pope The Pope is just not happy. He's not happy because Henry is married to Catherine of Aragon. Lovely Catholic woman. Oh, it's all good. But Henry really wants to shack up with the lovely, alluring Anne Boleyn. <laughs> now, I'm sure we all know the story of Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn about the great matter and the chaos that ensued because Henry felt like he wanted to switch wives and the church was none too happy about that. But we're right at the peak of this issue. Henry is determined to obtain a divorce from the Pope. And he's facing opposition from all sides, including from the Bishop of Rochester, John Fisher. What a troublesome chap. 
He is a troublesome chap. Troublesome He's chap. very, very devoted to his work, as as a bishop should be. Well, quite, yes, I feel they should be. Bishop of Rochester, John Fisher, is a vocal opponent to any idea of Henry leaving the Catholic Church and certainly of him leaving his wife, Catherine of Aragon, to marry this Anne Boleyn woman. No, 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 no. Scandal. Scandal! He is one of the loudest vocal defendants of Catherine of Aragon because she is an absolutely devoted Catholic. And he talks about it in court. He condemns the idea of Henry marrying Anne Boleyn. And let's face it, if you're going to shout your mouth off about what a harlot the king's new bit of skirt is, things are going to get dark. Potentially not unwise, <laughs> I feel, yes. He is a bishop. He's a member of the court. He should be defending his church. And he is above reproach, as it were. Henry really, 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 really needs to get the church on his side, at least in England. We all know how well that ended up. <laughs> now, obviously, Henry has his allies. And we can also assume that Henry has his spies around the clock to bolster Anne's reputation and to try and dissuade any of the detractors away from criticising Anne or criticising Henry's actions. He can't do anything outright to shut people down because he's not a tyrant. <laughs> he's a reasonable man. <laughs> he, he absolutely entirely reasonable. Entirely absolutely. reasonable man. And Anne herself is not without influence. In fact, she is said to fear the Bishop of Rochester, John Fisher, more than anyone else in England at this time, Ooh. going as so far as to advise him not to attend Parliament in case he caught some disease. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Subtle. Subtle and slightly scarily threatening. These are, you know, I'm compressing the details around about now because I couldn't possibly do justice to an entire era of history. <laughs> but yes, these are seen as veiled threats that are peppered about around the bishop but he is not deterred he will speak out he will speak his mind and he will speak for what he believes is good and true for the church so we can say fisher's enemies are mounting around him yes while he's not dissuaded from criticizing the king and queen soon threats feel like they need to be escalated <laughs> let's go to the 18th of february 1531 where richard ruse the bishop's cook is preparing oh. a large vat of food for the household, for the bishop's household. He has residency in Lambeth, even though he's a bishop of Rochester, and we believe Richard Brees is also from Rochester, which is in Kent, which is where me and Nick are from. Little factoid, yay. <laughs> now, at the time, it's said that the bishop has a number of house guests staying with him, up to about 17 people. This may include some of the servants, it may include other people who are learning from him, or maybe some chaplains or so forth, but it's a, it's a pretty full household of mm. servants and guests and it's you know it, because he's a bishop he will have many visitors he'll have many people calling for arms and so it's an forth. important man it's very important man and ruse wants to rise to the occasion obviously for these many guests so he prepares a very large vat of some very delicious porridge nice we for the household all love bishops love their porridge it's a well-known thing it's quite filling it's warming it's yeah you'd all be very disappointed if you got that as a dinner party <laughs> meal you would <laughs> but the vat of porridge is prepared people in the household are served the porridge some of the servants partake of the porridge a woman comes to the house calling for arms and she is also given a bowl of the porridge it's not expensive stuff <laughs> she's he's a, it out. he's a generous man as well he's a oh he's a generous man well whether whether the bishop is really involved in any of the handing out that's, and stuff, true, that's yes, very much not. to the the servants will take care of that the, the, yeah. the household staff of which there will be many and any of the guests here will you know the bishop isn't going to be troubled by this sort of thing but everyone who consumes the porridge falls violently ill 
Oh. Are beset by vomiting, screaming in agony, all of the nasty bowel stuff, all of the <laughs> horrible fever and ter- well, do you want me to say it, Nick? All, it's all Christmas nasty- Day, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> all of the nasty bowel stuff. I'm t- what, it's Christmas. Oh yeah, well quite I shall not say that word on Christmas Day. <laughs> discuss such things. But everyone is everybody now good, everybody ill. And two of the people who have consumed porridge, the old woman who came to ask for arms, and another servant in the house drop dead something terrible has occurred in the kitchens of the bishop of rochester terror strikes through the house people who have eaten this porridge have fallen ill except for the bishop of rochester himself was he not a fan of porridge he was not a fan of porridge for some reason that day he did not partake of the delicious meal that was being served up by a shit (laughs) chef why is it porridge i'm the fucking (laughs) bishop of rochester i want more than porridge This porridge is too decadent. You use milk in it. I want it with water and tears. He did not partake of the porridge. Maybe people think he was either fasting or he was studying. But anyone else who was in the household would take some of the porridge. But they all fall ill. And terror, again, as I said, strikes through the heart of the household. The authorities are alerted. This is no coincidence. This is not mere food poisoning, unhygienic conditions. This has been an attack on the household my god Bruce himself panics flees the household not at all guilty looking yeah well if you're a chef and everyone has fallen down dead or or (laughs) ill around you you might want to exit the scene somewhat (laughs) it's ready Breck they'll know my secret (laughs) but it's not long before Richard Bruce is captured and taken to the tower and lovely things happen at the tower I mean only the happiest of things I mean he probably got some nice flowers he probably got better than porridge. They made him a drink. <laughs> There's an excellent cocktail bar. Oh my god, did they give him a martini that wasn't actually a martini? <laughs> oh god. The torture. The torture. <laughs> it's slightly warm. <laughs> Off to the tower, Richard Roos goes. Now what happens in the tower? Spiky things, generally. Spiky things happen. Not the best way of really questioning someone, but still, you know, in hindsight. <laughs> but they're trying to find out what the hell has happened in this kitchen. Obviously, there's been a poisoning, but was it Richard Roos? Was Richard Roos persuaded to murder his employer by spies for the king, by spies for the future queen? Has he slipped a deadly, deadly toxin into the vat with the promises of riches to follow? Well, the people at the tower soon get to work finding out what happened. <laughs> yeah, they sit down, they pour him a glass of wine and they throw him on the rack. Perfect for truth telling. Exactly. And so Roos is stretched and stretched and all sorts of other horrible things that happen on the rack happen to him. And surprisingly, he cries out. He cries out a, a confession of sorts. Yes, he says, I put something in it. I put something in the vat. It, it laxatives. <laughs> okay. He calls it a certain venom or poison, but he says he puts it in as a joke. No. To poison the rest of the household, the other servants. He's done what it Charlie as a Jakes joke. they did have. Indeed. A prank, really, that's very much the sort of thing that we all say when we've done something wrong and someone calls us out and we go, no, it was a joke. It was obviously a joke. No, it was a joke. It was a joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But these screamed confessions, he says that he put a white powder to make the household staff sick, but it it, it wasn't supposed to be fatal, he says. Right. Now, you're on the rack, you're shouting stuff out. It's a strange confession. It is something, it's a strange one to say that isn't, well, that isn't true. Mm. There's a weird one. It's a strange confession that probably knocks out the idea that Ruse might have been an innocent bystander. 
did he leave the kitchen mm. only for someone else to sneak in and slip in and pour arsenic or something like that into the porridge? Oh, if it is arsenic, by the way, arsenic alarm, arsenic alarm, <laughs> Christmas day arsenic alarm, la 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 la. We don't know what the poison is, but fuck it, it's Christmas. Arsenic. (laughs) So maybe he is just trying to clutch at straws because he doesn't know what's happened. And if he just says, yes, but it was an accident. Yes, I put something in and it was just meant to be some sort of some herbal preservative or something, some, you know, protein powder I put in to give everyone energy. He's going to say anything right then and there. So maybe that's what his defense is. It's suggested by sources at the time that in quotes, a certain person of the most damnable, wicked disposition was known to Ruse. And when he called upon the house that day, he sent him out of the room to the buttery to get more drinks. Buttery is, I think, a store area, but that's where the drinks are. But Mm. I like the idea that he's going into the butter room to get more buttered drinks. It's Christmas, you know. (laughs) We like the buttered rum, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he was getting. And he was serving everyone porridge. It was a strange dynamic they had. (laughs) But while he was out of the room, this person slipped the poison into the pot. Mm. Maybe, maybe it would be very convenient, wouldn't it? It would save Richard. But was Ruse protecting someone? Was he covering his tracks or was he protecting someone because he'd been asked to act or deliberately allowed someone else to come in because he could never reveal who this person was who had either poisoned the porridge or asked him to do so? Asked him to do it. Indeed. Was it the king's plan? You have to be pretty strong, though, not to spill everything if you're being pulled apart. Well, what's going to happen to you if you mention the name of the king well you'd think you would do anything just as you're gonna die anyway if you accuse aren't you? the king though you're accused of treason it's, it's still whatever happens it's not going to end well for the chap is Indeed. it in hindsight we don't know we don't know what the actual rules were for blaming the king <laughs> maybe they had a big sign before you came into the tower of london saying this stuff is off the list if you say this once yeah, do the, do the <laughs> if you say this once you're screwed mate but yeah was it the king's plan in the background of this mm. the incident is all over is the talk of the town as it were i could say it's all over the press but it is talked (laughs) about everywhere in court oh my god someone has tried to poison the bishop of rochester this is big damn news big news yeah henry is particularly outraged outraged by it henry the eighth was famously terrified of poison absolutely terrified he was worried that he was going to be poisoned he was worried about disease. He was worried about illness. He was a little bit of a hypochondriac because he, he was convinced that other things would come into his life and take him from the throne. But, you know, aside from the poison element of it and his fear of it, he also knows this is not going to look good for him. <laughs> yes. People are going to draw conclusions. Someone has tried to kill one of his most vocal detractors. And he really, really needs the church on his side at this time. Really, really could use some help from the church. It could be, it would be very beneficial if it doesn't look like members of the church who are speaking against him are dying around him. So Henry decides that justice must be served rather swiftly. Yes. Make an example of the the ruffian that has done such a thing. Indeed. On the 28th of February, Henry speaks to Parliament for around about 90 minutes about this case goes on and on and on about the tyranny of poison you know maybe this is little bits of his paranoia coming into it but saying poison is 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 the worst crime and at the time poison is not known in the way that we've talked about it in different cases in the victorian era or even later on but poison is this terrifying 
phantom thing that no one really understands or has tested for or can really conceive about how it's used or how deadly it is and henry is paranoid about it but he talks about it and he talks about this case he is going to mete out justice of the highest degree we must fight against anyone who uses poison in any faction as enemy number one to the state is a little bit of ott for one case <laughs> yeah i mean that does seem a long time for the king to rabbit on for that long about one thing is it slightly overcompensating but this is what will convict poor richard ruse henry who loves to change a law when it suits him <laughs> sets out a bill that proclaims any act of poisoning will be an act of treason oh and this becomes the Poisoning Act of 1530, retrospective year, because it's a couple of years later. And this act will stay in place until 1547. It will mean that poisoning is deemed an act of treason and is punishable by the perpetrator being boiled alive. Yeah, that'll do it. I promised you something juicy yeah. for Christmas Day for you to listen to while preparing your Christmas Absolutely. meals. Absolutely, by people being boiled alive, all of those festive <laughs> things. This is one of the kind of strange and unusual punishments. You had to be boiled alive if you were found guilty of it. Nice. But also, it suffice it to say, Ruse never gets a trial. He never gets a stand trial. He I'm never sure gets to not. give evidence. It is just, he has poisoned someone. We've decided this is the guy. He's out. He's convicted. And it was on the 15th of April, 1532. A huge crowd gathers at Smithfields. Ruse is tied in chains and gibbeted. Now, do you know what that means? Um, it's a put in that cage, isn't it? Yes, it's similar to that. It's cage or chains. Yeah. So mm. you've got kind of a gallows-like structure normally. Yes. And where a dead or dying criminal is put in a cage or wrapped up in chains and hung... Yep. for everyone to see their body and you might be dying you might die of thirst you might die of exposure but you are an example but they use this contraption it's handy they've already got it it's already got it's... it well absolutely waste not what not exactly so. let's let's picture this you've got the you've got the gallows like structure you've got the body like hanging vertically wrapped up in chains not in in a cage over a vat of boiling water oh is, is he being steamed alive no well that, that's <laughs> not going to be pleasant i mean his feet are screwed and he's going to be hung over that and he is going to be slowly lowered into the boiling water and out three times nice ow dipped in and boiled alive yeah that's lovely happy christmas everyone (laughs) an eyewitness report would you like an eyewitness report oh i would love one absolutely and shall I do it in a kind of a ye olde kind of accent? Which is going to be a West Country because West I don't country, know why the West Country accent. accent. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to do it because it's Christmas and that's what I can do. <laughs> I can't do a Chaucerian accent because it literally sounds Welsh. <laughs> and I, I'm not that skilled. Okay, so an eye, eyewitness report. He roared mighty loud and divers women... <laughs> and divers women who were big with child did feel sick at the sight of what they saw. And were carried away half dead. I'm not surprised. And other men and women did not seem frightened by the boiling alive, but would prefer to see the headsman at his work. Well, they've come, yeah, they've come to see something exciting. <laughs> they've come to see someone get their head chopped off, and they're left with this, like, boiling alive malarkey. No, I'm, I'm like, I that's a hell that. of a show, actually. But they're like, yeah, pregnant women, like, fainted. But everyone else was like, yeah, I'd rather see someone beheaded. You know, you get to see the head cut off, and you get to see their innards. <laughs> uh, it's the only three star. Three star. Mm. so there we go so that was the end of richard roos but the other theory that many had about the poisoning was was it richard 
trying to curry favour with the king, with Anne Boleyn on his own volition? Was he tempted by someone else? Was he promised riches? Did someone else come into the house and poison him? Was he an agent of the king? All these things were thrown out, but the other theory was, was it Anne Boleyn's people oh. that ordered his death? There were many Get hints the way. Mm. and ideas, and it's never been conclusively proven. It's, it's very much the stuff of rumour. But did her family intervene? Because we know how ambitious Anne Boleyn's family were. Did they come in and set up an assailant to carry out the deadly deed to rid the country of the troublesome bishop who was in the way of their daughter marrying the King of England? Perhaps we will never know. Well, indeed, we never shall. But these things are all ends in tears eventually. The Bishop John Fisher would eventually be executed by Henry VIII at the height of the Reformation in 1535. And it was particularly gruesome. He was, well, he was beheaded. Maybe a, a, a nicer death. Mm. But his body was stripped and left on the scaffold uh, all day. And then it was taken on pikes and thrown naked into a rough grave nice. in the churchyard of All Hallows Bucking. Ooh. And the irony was, if you want to call it that, Anne Boleyn would go to the block less than a year later after Bishop John mm. Fisher. Bit of drama there. Uh, Death by Boiling was used once more in the future. It was used on maid Margaret Day, who poisoned her master and her mistress. It was repelled, was repelled in 1547 by Henry VIII's son. So not long after, really. Not long after, yeah. but they, they deemed that it, it needed to be poisoned by much more usual punishment, either hanging or burning. I mean, that'll do it, really. Yes. This case was thought to spur on a lot of the hysteria about poisoning across the UK and across Europe. We've talked around in this era and just slightly after, slightly before, about how poisoning was coming to the fore as a very cunning use of disposing of your enemies but the terror that happened and we've talked about the affair of the poisoners mm -hmm. about you know it can be used by anyone anywhere gentlemen or poor men can be poisoned but it became so feared and terrified that people referenced it for centuries to come and you've got everyone from francis bacon to hilary mantle in wolf hall mm. and even it's thought that shakespeare referenced it in the winter's tale very good the poisoner of the bishop of rochester in the time of henry the eighth just after they celebrated Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, how jolly. Celebrate Christmas and then we'll have a nice old boiling. <laughs> well, I love a Tudor Christmas. I love a Tudor boiling. And there is your story of Christmas time and all the poisoning stuff that will kill you and your family at this time of year. Ta-da! One slight tangent I'm going off. You talk about boiling people alive, which is a very unpleasant way of going. Do you know the story of the brazen bull? Uh, no. Ancient Greek, very unpleasant way of death. Okay. Well, is no, that no, they... what? what? No, it's not like the giraffe story, is it, with Lacusta? No, 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 none of that, none of okay. that. But in, in a similar theme to the being being boiled alive. Okay. You, they would, they had a life-size bronze bull. Um, <laughs> right. Bronze bull, ho hollowed out, hollowed out. So it's hollow inside, and they, the, the unfortunate person would get put into the hollowed-out brass ball, as, as one does, and then it also put filled with water as well. Oh, the no! The thing was then, then set afire, was set under the metal ball. 
and so the water inside would boil the person inside there but for the best bit they had like a a system of almost like trumpet valves and such like in the head <laughs> so the, scre- the, the screams of the person inside would come out of the mouth of the bull like the bull's roar would be amplified by these valves and what have you from the person inside being cooked shut up no no real no no the brazen bull or the sicilian bull it was invented in like 90 ad or something for some entirely insane sicilian king oh my god you just put it yeah not a fun way of going that's a very extravagant way of killing someone oh yes i mean i admire it on that level but still why would you do why would you do that why would what point were they trying to make were they just well, a psychopath? It's, it's, it's probably a good, it's a good deterrent, really, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's to be honest, if, if you're going to go out one way, I'd be happy with that. I mean, it wouldn't be pleasant. I would but not I was be like, happy with that. If I'm going to go out, <laughs> chop my head off, hang me. No, I, I know that. Cooked I know alive that. inside a metal. But imagine bowl. the stories your family can tell for later. How did they die? They were bowled alive in a big metal bowl, and their screams replicated that of the bull. That's quite a good story, you know. <laughs> yes, and they haunt me every night. <laughs> So yeah, anyway, that came to mind when you when you were talking about being boiled alive. I thought, oh, I know something about that. One of the random things that I know. <laughs> so there were some Yuletide stories for you. Now we are coming to the end of the episode. It's been a long episode this time. We're very drunk. <laughs> Actually, you know what? After cocktail, two, the cocktail one for some reason knocked me out. Cocktail two, I was like, oh Jesus Christ! Cocktail <laughs> between that and cocktail three, I had two pints of water and a nice sandwich. Rocking now. I'm absolutely fine. I'm ready for the rest of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are about to go for our fourth and final cocktail. You said the case of Richard Roos was used in arguments and trials for years to come. So our final cocktail is, in fact, a closing argument. (laughs) (laughs) Love See how we're feeling this? So much work has gone into this. And you know what? A closing argument is how we will probably end Christmas Day. Most of us will. (laughs) I have a potential feeling that a closing argument may well be how we end this podcast um, <laughs> after you've tried it so <laughs> well we'll have to see how it is and again you know that monopoly game that's going to go on later in the afternoon or the evening <laughs> there's going to be a closing argument there probably with the table being flipped so we cannot leave you guys without a fantastic we hope cocktail to end the day so for the final time today we're going to go into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm so we'll see you in a minute i'll see you in a bit And we are back once again. For the final time. For the final time. Wow, this has been a roller coaster, hasn't it, Nick? It has. It it's really been has. great. And I think we've gone through the roller coaster of emotions through the cocktails I, this well, evening. I like to take you on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, that an orange martini, that oh, goddamn cleared the head. Yeah, it's that a smart was, one. It's a smart one. That was smart. It's happy, giggly, felt completely clear head. Compared to the first two, the second one, which was lovely, the first one, don't make that. No, nah, don't bother with the first one. No. As we draw to a close, Nick, what are you going to leave us with? Well, we have a closing argument. As I said, it, it may well result in an argument for the end of the podcast as well. Um, okay, I'm hoping but, but not. Why? 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 Well, Wait a minute. Why? Okay, so I'm looking at it. It's very pretty. Yes, it's very pretty. Okay, it's got a green hue. An ever so slight limey hue. A, d- a tiny green hue. Okay, has this got fucking chartreuse in it? 
Think think lime. Think lime. You like lime. Lime is good. Maybe. Maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit of doubt. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I don't know what's in it. Cheers, guys. Merry Christmas. Final cocktail. Cheers. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I think that is very pleasant. What the fuck just happened to my face? <laughs> what? Ah, I was not prepared for any of that. It's got things you love. I know. In it. I feel like it does, and yet I feel upset. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm, upset in a I'm good not way. faking this, Nick. I feel like something's happened. I don't know. Oh, it's is smoke- having an episode live. Yes, I really. Am. <laughs> It's smoky, yet there's something that's not right in there. <laughs> I think that's actually very nice. It is nice, but I don't trust it. <laughs> okay. Why don't you trust it? Do I don't you know. Say I don't know. Nice, I don't know. It was an assault it. on the senses because there was a smell. It is very different. And then there was a taste. The... And I, I, I don't know. <laughs> from the, Yeah, no, I grant you that. From the cream, crisp orange martini, this is a, a different kettle of fish. Okay. 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 I've taken a second sip, guys. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge before I know what's in it. Do you like it? Yes. I do quite like that. I win! I, I know, win! I know that. <laughs> oh, God, uh, why? Has why? <laughs> oh, God, no! I, I made it. Sinead like a green chartreuse cocktail. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle! <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle, everyone. <laughs> Big caveat before you explain what the ingredients are. I feel like there's mezcal in this. You're absolutely right. Yes! Yes! Yes, there is a smoky beauty to this that can only come from mezcal. And I love a smoky drink. And for some reason, I can't taste the chartreuse in it. I can smell it, but I can't taste it. You're right. Okay. To- <laughs> so it is It is basically, it's a variant on the last word, which is one of my favourite cocktails. Um, yes. But rather than gin, we indeed have, we have mezcal. In this one, so we have mezcal, we have chartreuse, uh, we have a maraschino cherry and lime juice and it is okay. equal parts of each an equal quantity of each okay i'm gonna i'm gonna say something nick here it's christmas day you've actually made me a chartreuse cocktail that i would drink <laughs> i win you win the shot it is a literal christmas day miracle guy what color is chartreuse it's a green chartreuse this one it is a green chartreuse green because chartreuse. yellow. Don't you bring yellow chartreuse to my house? Don't you be waltzing Ooh, up with your yellow chartreuse? Wow, well, now you've shown me a challenge. So <laughs> you've tried, you've tried, bitch, and it failed. I, I tried Still. green chartreuse before, and you didn't like it. I'll find the one that converts you. I've, I've got to hand it to you, Nick. That is that is delicious. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. How did you? How how did you mask the <laughs> fucking horror that did no, chartreuse? You haven't masked it though. It's still there. It's definitely still there. Yeah. It's not masked. Um, but no, yeah, but you balanced, balanced, you balanced with... it perfect. That was what was missing the whole time was mezcal. Because I think perhaps that the gin, was it. Because the gin, generally quite herby and floral as it is, probably only accentuated the herbaliness of the chartreuse <laughs> into something that <laughs> yes, you don't like. Yes, yes. Um, but the mezcal, quite a smoky, bitter sort of flavour, has probably tempered the chartreuse down slightly. So you're still getting it, but it's not as heightened as it would be with gin. 100%. This is mezcal. It's got, you've got a front of smoke and then you have a herbal kind of sultry, sultry, sultry thing behind it. That works 100%. I would happily drink that 
again. <laughs> Very pleased with that. You, you've done you've done it, Nick. I swear to God, people, I did not expect this coming. <laughs> we, we did not talk about this. I did not know what was happening. And it is a freaking Christmas Day miracle. We've ended on a high. <laughs> <laughs> so, verdict on the four cocktails, Nick. Christmas cake martini. Don't bother. Meh. Nah. Dull. Uh, Fallen Angel. Yes, surprisingly, very, very, very nice. Mm. Enjoy it. It's a great cocktail. Dry orange martini. It is a variant on a classic. It is really nice. One or two more than that (laughs) will get you absolutely wasted because they are strong. But that's a good one. But this closing argument, the first time I've had one, first time I've made it, and it is a real, real success. Really pleased with that. That is the revelation of Christmas. People who have bought chartreuse because of Nick... And we know there's a lot of you out there. And if you haven't bought Chartreuse because of Sinead, now is the time to buy <laughs> no, it. I, I think I can safely say 100% of people who thought they were going to buy Chartreuse have bought it because of you because they wanted to fuck me up. That was it. They wanted to find more things that I would be upset about. And also get Mezcal, people, because Mezcal is my favourite thing in the entire world right now. There we go, guys. You have had four, not one, not two, not three, but four. Four goddamn cocktails from the Poisoner's Cabinet. And some truly splendid poisoning shenanigans. So the best of both worlds today. What more could you ask for? We have absolutely loved bringing you a Christmas Day episode. Whatever time you listen to this, we hope you enjoy all the cocktails and make all the cocktails. And if you don't have the ingredients, for God's sake, improvise because fuck it, it's Christmas. Send us the pictures. I want to see what you're making. Um, I want some inspiration. We've got... Christmas Day, Boxing Day, Boxing Boxing Day, whatever the day I'm <laughs> um, And then we've got New Year's. Can't go out on New Year's. You need some cocktails to have at home. So send us what you're making. We want to give it a go. So the the recipes for all of these cocktails will be up pretty pretty, pretty sharpish, to be honest. Um, shall we wait until the evening? A whole day's worth of drinking to be done. So enjoy yourself wherever you are. This is Christmas Day. Do whatever makes you feel happy. Come and talk to us on social media. Come and have a chat. We've got nothing else to do. Tell us more stories that you'd like us to cover and tell your friends about The Poisoner's Cabinet. Bring them into The Poisoner's Cabinet world. <laughs> you can subscribe to Patreon right now. You can come on every single month and you can cancel anytime you like. Or you can have an annual subscription that guarantees you monthly deliveries of all sorts of lovely, lovely things that we do. And you get a discount for that. So, yeah. Merry Christmas to you all. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, especially on Christmas Day, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Happy Christmas! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.